0: A century ago, one man set the bar for what we find scary, from giant aliens to grotesque cave monsters. And nowhere is this controversial author more celebrated than in his hometown of Providence, Rhode Island. This is Off The Path from WSHU Public Radio. I'm Davis Donovan. I'm on the road from New York to Boston on a quest to find the unusual, the quirky, or explore things I've always found fascinating. I discovered the writer H.P. Lovecraft when I was a teenager in Missouri. His stories were mysterious, even dangerous, like something grown-ups probably wouldn't want me to read. I half floated between the titanic snowdrifts, quivering and afraid, into the sightless vortex of the unimaginable. Screamingly sentient, dumbly delirious, Stephen King took inspiration from Lovecraft. So did the game Dungeons and & Dragons. And in the past decade or so, he's inched closer to the mainstream. You can see his imprint on the Netflix show Stranger Things. And the internet sensation Slenderman, a faceless monster who stalks the night. Providence acknowledges its hometown son in a lot of ways. There are tours of the neighborhood where he grew up. They host an annual convention for Lovecraft fans and scholars. And the city has also attracted a lot of Lovecraft fans to move here like Niels Hobbs, who came here from New Mexico to be at the heart of the Lovecraft boom, and he runs a shop in the local mall called Lovecraft Arts
1: and Sciences. Kind of going for a creepy research library kind of vibe. Dark cabinet of curiosity style design, as much books as we can shove into a relatively small space. The clientele's a mix of hardcore Lovecraft fans and the occasional very confused window shopper. Folks that come into the store a few times a day who are just like, oh, my God, what is going on here? And they think that it's, you know, some kind of dark satanic cult shop or something like that. And we have to explain to them that it's absolutely tongue in cheek. There are tote bags and posters on the wall with pictures of
0: Cthulhu and other monsters Lovecraft called the Great Old Ones. Niels rolls his eyes at those who have marketed little plush Cthulhu dolls online. They look a bit like Hello
1: Kitty dolls. He calls it the cult of cute Thulu. I do you have one plush Cthulhu doll, uh, and it's kept inside of a uh, large pickling jar um, on display? Can't actually buy it. Niels's shop also sells Lovecraft inspired novels,
0: including the recent book by Paul Lafarge called The Night Ocean. Lafarge gave a reading from his book at a library in town. He told the crowd he discovered HP Lovecraft as a kid through the game Dungeons and Dragons. And I stumbled on a rule book which inventoried the various creatures which populate the mythos. Those creatures were based on some of Lovecraft's monsters. And there were artists' renditions of them and brief accounts of their identities and their powers, and they seemed just
1: truly
0: horrible. They were very powerful, they were very weird-looking, and they were very awful. And I thought, this sounds perfect. As a kid, Paul LaFarge had one friend who also liked Lovecraft, and they wanted to spread the word. So they started a two-person club in honor of Lovecraft's monster Cthulhu, the 10,000-foot-tall humanoid sea monster with tentacles for a mouth. We made black robes for ourselves, and we also made signs that said, the end of the world is nigh, give to the cult of Cthulhu. And we would go out in the middle of the night, and we would walk up and down Broadway on the Upper West Side of Manhattan holding these signs. The really remarkable thing about this story is that no one killed us. There's something else completely unsavory about H.P. Lovecraft, something Paul Lafarge didn't know when he was a kid, and I didn't know either, but fans of Lovecraft learned to grapple with it. Very simply, he was a racist. Not like, oh, a century ago, racism was rampant. He was a product of his times. He was terrified of immigrants, and he called people from Africa beasts in semi-human form. Faye Ringel is a professor emeritus at the Coast Guard Academy in New London, Connecticut. Her obsession with Lovecraft began when she was a student at Brown University. She says to complicate matters, it was Lovecraft's real-life xenophobia that gave birth to his cosmic horrors.
2: His absolute horror of his own people losing their domination to outsiders. Now in his fiction, he tended to project that fear on both human outsiders, but the value of his fiction is that he also managed to sublimate those fears into a fear of outside entities. For him, the entire universe was haunted. Lovecraft's
0: racism has become more of an issue in recent years. In 2014, the World Fantasy Awards stopped giving out statuettes of Lovecraft. There was an effort among fantasy writers, primarily writers of color, calling for the statuette to be changed. Faye Ringel agreed with the decision.
2: However, the larger argument of over whether we should continue to read him, I believe that we should. Uh, I think that in the end you have to separate the artist from the art.
0: I've talked to a lot of people about Lovecraft, not just in Providence, and most fans will echo this sentiment. You can like his unsettling stories without having to like his unsettling views. I'm Davis Donovan, and this is Off the Path from WSHU Public Radio. I explore the fascinating characters and unusual stories from New York to Boston.